0: You're listening to the NASM CPT podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk about movement. We're gonna talk about physical activity. We're gonna talk about what seems to be a random number of 150 minutes per week of physical activity. And we have these guidelines. They're guidelines from uh, a lot of different government agencies, but this one in particular is the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans, the second edition put out by the NIH, or the National Institutes of Health. And we've talked about some of these general guidelines, but I wanna discuss just for a moment where these guidelines come from. So let's talk about guidelines for adults. So this is usually a population we're gonna be working with. And we had a a podcast, I guess several weeks ago, maybe months, that talked about guidelines for children, the guidelines for adults, guidelines for older adults. But we're just gonna go kind of key guidelines for adults based off the NIH. But then I wanna talk about where this came from. I wanna talk about the science behind it, where it was drawn. So the guidelines say that adults should move more and sit less throughout the day. Some physical activity is better than none. Adults who sit less and do any amount of moderate vigorous physical activity gain some health benefits. So that's the first tenet under the overview of guidelines under the, the NIH here. And now we start to get into some numbers. And it says for substantial health benefits, adults should do at least 150 minutes. That's two hours and 30 minutes to 300 minutes, five hours a week of moderate intensity or 75 minutes of um, vigorous intensity. And that could go up to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity, aerobic physical activity or the equivalent. And then it talks about the additional health benefits that are gained by engaging physical activity beyond the equivalent of 300 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity, so you get more the more you do, the more benefits you get when you do even longer. If you do more than five hours a week, it's gonna be even more beneficial. An adult should do muscle strengthening activities of moderate to greater intensity that involve all major muscle groups on two or more days a week, As these activities provide additional health benefits. All right. So, what's the breakdown here? The breakdown is we're looking for at least 150 minutes per week of physical activity, moderate vigorous intensity physical activity. So now let's start talking about what that looks like. And then we'll get into the vigorous activity. and We'll talk about some of the fitness aspects of it when it comes to resistance training as well. But before we do, I just want to put this quote out there by Dr. Ruth Peterson. And she was the former director of the CDC's division of nutrition, physical activity, and obesity. And this is a quote from Dr. Peterson. It says, if you could package physical activity into a pill, it would be the most effective drug on the market. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of fitness professionals in this podcast, so I don't need to tell you that, but you may need to talk to your clients about that. And the reason that I want to bring this up is we talk about 150 minutes of physical activity every week, but if our clients are coming and working out with us for an hour a week or even two hours a week, what are they doing when they're not with us? And I think that's what drove me to talk about this. And I mean, months ago, we had Fabio Kamana on and he talked about NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, the amount of calories we burn, the activity that we have, the daily movements that we engage in. That's the kind of stuff that actually does far more for us than just exercising a few times a week because we engage in more moderate intensity exercise or movement just regular physical activity that's going to be really really important for us so now let's get into this topic that adults should move more and sit less throughout the day that's the bottom line move more and sit less and some physical activity is better than none but for substantial benefits where did they get these numbers where do they get the 150 minutes well It really comes from what we call epidemiological studies, and we take um, broad swaths of the population. And so there are very, very famous studies like the Women's Health Study and the Nurses Health Study 1 and 2. And there are over a million people in these studies, and they can take information from it. And what they do is they find out who is active and who is not active, depending on what they want to study. So if you want to study heart disease or you want to study diabetes or metabolic syndrome or cancers, and they take all of this data, all this information, and they look at everything. Who was it that smoked? How much sleep did you get? What do you eat? How much physical activity do you get? And the data is significant, and they start pooling it together, and then they... Um, they identify, well, of all the groups, who is the less likely to get diabetes or to get heart disease? And that is called a relative risk. So, the relative risk, so if you see a relative risk of 30%, that means that, you know, with the entire group, if you exercise this 150 minutes per, per week, you are at a 30% relative risk less likely, you're less at risk by 30% to get whatever these pathologies are. So that's where the numbers come from. They get this relative risk of uh, of ailments, of pathology, based off this 150 minutes to uh, of moderate intensity exercise each week. So we want to look at what that means, the two hours and 30 minutes, all the way up to to five hours a week of moderate-intensity exercise. Well, we can talk about that, we keep saying that, but what is moderate-intensity exercise? Well, moderate-intensity exercise is something that we refer to in as METs. So it's three to six METs. And an example of a three to six MET activity would be a brisk walk, playing doubles tennis, raking the yard. So it's not that intense. So, to be able to get 150 minutes or even the five hours that they recommend is not challenging, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And what I mean by that is that walking for five hours a week or the 150 minutes a week at a brisk pace or raking or doubles tennis, then, uh, you know, riding a bike on a flat surface um, at a moderate intensity, all of those things, they're not. They're not challenging necessarily. What is difficult is finding a way to make that happen. That's where the difficulty lies. And then as fitness professionals, sometimes we look at it and we say, oh, you've trained with me a couple times a week. And we don't direct people to what they should do outside of their time with us. And if folks are looking for actual health benefits – And you are not coaching them on what they should be doing outside of the time that they spend with you. You're doing a wild disservice to them. And you don't have to say, write out your program and this is everything that you're supposed to do. We just need to push them towards that 150 minutes of physical activity. And then they do their two days a week, most likely, with you doing resistance training if they're training twice a week and then they might get some vigorous activity exercise. And it says that vigorous intensity activity is six mets or above, and that could be going for a jog or a run or carrying heavy groceries, going upstairs, shoveling snow, working out with your personal trainer, strenuous fitness classes, send your folks to classes. Anyway, many adults don't engage in really much intense physical activity at all. And that is, first of all, it's harder, yes, but it takes far less time. So you could do that for 75 minutes to 150 minutes a week versus 150 minutes to 300 minutes a week. All right, we're saying minutes a lot. I'm sorry, I don't want to lose anybody. But there are additional benefits, health benefits that come from doing more, those 300 minutes, the five hours a week or more, just a physical activity. One of the other things that their researcher named Tudor Lock and uh, Shuna, they talked about some activities that are very important that we tend to take for granted as well, which is walk more, sit less, and exercise. And their goal is, yeah, they like the 150 minutes of walking, brisk walking specifically, as a non-exercise physical activity. So that's not really exercise. It is non-exercise physical activity. And they said they put out some really clear rules based off the research they pulled together that the step count should be more than 7,500 steps a day. I know 10,000 is out there and 10,000 is more than 7,500. So yes, I like that one if you can do it. 7,500 should be the goal here based on the research. And then avoid the... um, Taking less than 5,000 steps a day that are slow, right? Like, kind of going to pick up the pace a bit. So 3,000 of those steps should be at greater than or equal to 100 steps per minute. And then just move more in general. Interrupt your sitting with movement. There's a lot of sitting that takes place. So they're saying, and their information, I like it a lot, sit more is number one, so avoid taking less than 5,000 steps a day and limit the prolonged seating bouts, sitting bouts. They say to exercise, which is greater than 3,000 steps a day at more than 100 steps per minute. And then they say to walk more, take more than 7,500 steps daily, and that'll get you toward those step goals, those goals of trying to get your steps in, but also get your moderate intensity physical activity. And we talk about physical activity. Usually you hear us, we talk about exercise, but physical activity outside of the realm of exercise is vitally important for overall health and wellness. So what are more exercise activities that would be moderate intensity? Well, that could be walking to class, walking for pleasure, walking your dog, walking down the stairs or on a hill. can do uh, race walking, but slower, less than five miles per hour, using crutches, hiking, roller skating, bicycling five to nine miles per hour on flat terrain, some aerobic dancing and water aerobics, all examples. Well, what about the, the vigorous intensity physical activity? Well, it's going to be the more than six meds. So that's going to take your race walking and aerobic walking five miles per hour or more, jogging or running, wheeling a wheelchair walking and climbing briskly up a hill, backpacking, mountain climbing, rock climbing, rappelling, roller skating, bicycling, more than 10 miles per hour, up terrain, stationary bike with vigorous effort. All of this comes from the general physical activities defined by the level intensity by the CDC and the ACSM guidelines. These are all great examples of what it is that we can do to move more and to sit less to hit those numbers. And again, where do those numbers come from? The 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity exercise? Epidemiological studies that show that people who walk that amount have significantly decreased their relative risk for heart disease, diabetes, cancers, so on and so forth. And all the research takes that, they take the same studies, but the oncologist researchers will do that specifically for cancer. And the cardiology researchers will do that specifically for heart disease. And same with the the endocrinologists who do that for diabetes. All of these are being done. And every one of them, as a consensus, the National Institutes of Health and other research organizations say, based off of what we see in the research, the relative risk of getting certain diseases decreases so much that we're going to put these numbers out there. 150 minutes of moderate intensity physical activity each week or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity exercise, followed by two days of resistance training for every major muscle group. This is good. This is good for you. This is good for your clients. If they need to listen to this episode, send them this episode so that they can hear it. But what does that mean for us as fitness professionals? We have to guide them to greater physical activity out of the time that they spend with us. We need to increase their ability to exercise on their own, to be more physically active, and to be responsible for them. What you can do, you can be there to be a sounding block, hear where they're coming from, make sure they're staying on top of it, perhaps hold them accountable, but you have to be there for them to guide them because otherwise they think, well, if all I do is work out with my trainer once or twice a week, that's enough. And in many instances, it's not enough. And in most instances, the more you do, the better you do. And there is some research that does talk about Overtraining and doing too much. And that is not the population we're talking to. It's not who we're going after. That's not where I'm trying to draw information from today. As I'm saying, oh, you should do 300 minutes of exercise a week or more, and you get more and more benefits up to a point. But that point is probably not what our clients are reaching. So we don't look at this. I'm not pulling research to be like, oh, okay, what's the data for people who are doing the multiple 100-mile bike rides and running marathons weekly? So that's, that's not who we're looking at. We're looking at general population, working with who you're working with. And with that said, it's pulled from the science. It's pulled from the research. It's pulled from the data. It's pulled from the PhDs who spend their time you know, in three years or more of graduate school, and then they go into their study and write out their dissertation for a few years, and then they go into their postdoctoral fellowship and they defend this against other people who are looking to critically dissect everything that they do, and they have to uphold their study in front of well-educated people. And when they do that, we hold that study and hold it up in the peer review process, then it is strong evidence to support the benefits of physical activity in these big epidemiological studies and the outcomes that they provide. And I hope that this provides you with some information. It arms you to be a better trainer, a trainer that doesn't just say, what are we gonna do today in our physical activity with our time together one-on-one with clients? but what is my client going to do this week? And how do you support that? And how do you support that? Yeah, you can write some stuff out. You can put some stuff out there and say, hey, I'm I'm giving you some exercises to do on your own. But one of the things that we wanna maybe pull back on a little bit is that I don't wanna necessarily drive people to do more exercise, but I wanna drive them to be more physically active. And if they're waiting on me to write out something, and this isn't wrong, but if they're waiting on me to write something out for them, then the accountability is on me as the trainer to write something out. And I want want our clients to get to the point where they're physically active with or without you. They're moving with or without you. They just move better when they're with you. They maybe move more intensely when they're with you. They may do different exercises when they're with you, but when they are on their own, push physical activity. Walking, playing, pickleball, so hot right now, by the way, right? Pickleball, people are playing that everywhere. When did that become such a thing? Pickleball, I wanna get in on that. So pickleball, tennis right now in the US is pretty big. Right now, uh, in the time of this recording, it's the time of the US Open. So this is a, it's a big deal. Get out there and play tennis. Let it inspire you to physical activity. And then your workouts, they'll work out with you. And then maybe they'll work out a little bit more on their own. But get the activity going. Longer walks with the dog. or When you're walking the dog, pick up that intensity. Move a little bit faster. A bit more pep in your step. And that's going to provide a lot more uh, beneficial outcomes. And with that said, we can go back to the quote from Dr. Ruth Peterson, the director of the CDC's Division of Nutrition, Physical Activity and Obesity's quote where she said, if you could package physical activity into a pill, it would be the most effective drug on the market. And remarkably so, the more we learn about physical activity, it's find less and less that those show up on the front cover of the New York Times or the Washington Post or big news outlets but when there's a pharmaceutical that does it then it's a big deal why because there's really not much money in physical activity all you have to do is do it it's kind of like there's not a lot of money in carrots but you know if you ate more carrots you'd probably be a little healthier you know like where's the money in it and so we're not looking for where's the money We're this is an altruistic approach here how can you be more physically active and live better, feel better, function better, and increase your longevity. Get those steps in. 150 minutes a week, does that make sense? I think it does. I think 150 minutes a week of physical activity is a good call by the National Institutes of Health, the CDC, and a lot of other certifying bodies, NASM included, that back it. Let's see if we can get those steps up. Let's get those feet moving a little bit more, a little less sitting, a little more standing, a little more movement and get those minutes in. All right. I hope you found this helpful. My name is Rick Ritchie. If you've got questions, you can reach out to me on Instagram at dr.rickrickrychey, R-I-C-K-R-I-C-H-E-Y. Or you can email me, rick.richey at nasm.org. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.